1: If you dare.
2: Hey there, it's Danielle Avari of VSIN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Be sure to check out my new podcast, the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angles for all the LA teams, plus USC and my personal favorite and alma mater, UCLA. So if you're from Los Angeles or a fan of any of the LA sports teams and want to become a sharper better, this is the podcast for you. So please subscribe, follow and listen to the Los Angeles Citycast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is the Los Angeles Citycast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers.
2: Welcome into your Wednesday edition of the Los Angeles Citycast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host Danielle Alvari, some more bad news for USC football fans. If you can believe it, the hits just keep on coming. The Cal-USC game this weekend was called off on Tuesday. Uh, The Bears can't play due to COVID-19. That was according to John Wilner on Twitter. It's the first FBS game called off this season because of COVID issues. So it looks like no Cal and USC playing this week. This is crushing. This is crushing. Uh, I'm going to give you a silver lining for it, but first let's talk about why it's not so great. Besides obvious reasons. Uh, Sam Connan actually had a great tweet about this former guest of the show, and he's also from Sports Illustrated's All Bruins. He said this could be devastating for USC, who now has to win out with games against Crosstown rival UCLA and number 15 BYU, good luck with that, in order to become bowl eligible. What I'll say to that is, I mean, at this point, do we want to see this team in a bowl? Even if you're a USC football fan, like the season is what it is at this point. I put a fork in this season many weeks ago, and that's just not as a former UCLA grad. That's just truly, they've had a really tough season. They lost their coach, they lost their star wide receiver just about a game ago. They were playing two different quarterbacks in the last game. It's just, just put them out of their misery at this point, right? So a little silver lining, though, for SC fans, because, you know, unless they decide this game is going to happen, which I don't, they're not going to pull this back. It's not happening this weekend. USC can now turn its full attention to UCLA. They get an extra little bye week, if you will, here to prepare for the UCLA game, which is November 20th. So more time to start preparing for the Bruins, Crosstown game. I know that this is a really depleted USC team, but it is still a Crosstown game. So still maybe some fireworks. I'm hoping as a UCLA fan, we don't see too many uh, surprises, but you can just never trust these Crosstown rival games. Bad, bad news, USC football. I'm sorry. Tough, tough season. Hopefully we can cheer you up with today's show. We'll be a little bit more positive. First things first, we'll have co-host of Primetime Action on VSEN. That's the show I used to be a part of at VSEN when I lived in Las Vegas. Miss it dearly. Co-host Matt Brown will join us to talk Rams and Chargers. He's got a really interesting sports betting background, so I want to get into that with him for sure. I know he has some futures tickets on the Rams as well, so we'll ask him about that if he still thinks they're a Super Bowl contender. Uh, We'll even get into a little bit about the business of sports betting. So that should be a really good one. Then we'll welcome in UCLA football and digital assistant sports editor for the OC Register, James H. Williams, to the pod to talk UCLA football. That is still going on this weekend. Colorado is coming to the Rose Bowl. You can find him at JHW Reporter. So this will be cool because James and I haven't really got to do a face-to-face, even though this is like we're doing this on Skype, in case you're just listening here, Uh, and we just kind of – have the video appear on Twitter sometimes. So no, you're not missing out if you're looking for the video, but it'll be cool for us. And when I asked James to do this interview, I was like, man, I really like that you use all of your initials, you know, James H. Williams. Like that sounds like, it sounds like somebody I would like lend money to. Like this is a distinguished gentleman here. I like that James H. Williams. And he said that, oh man, I just have like a really boring name or not boring, but like Well, like a lot of people have the name James, I guess, and then Williams is really common. Common is the word I'm looking for there. So he was like, I put the H in there. I kind of modeled it after Stephen A. Smith just to like kind of distinguish myself, which I thought was great. And that's great marketing 101. So James H. Williams from the OC Register coming on to talk UCLA football a little bit later on. Uh, Also coming up. Fun little preview, on Friday's show, I have booked Miss Pamela Maldonado, sports betting analyst and writer for Yahoo Sportsbook. She is amazing. I love the work she does, and she always points out how she does her betting prep work with just like a pad of paper and a pencil, nothing too fancy, and she does amazing. She has great, great insight, so definitely something to look forward to there, but first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles lines available at River Sportsbook. Let's start with college football. Just one game, no USC at Cal this week. Now, Colorado at UCLA though. UCLA was a 15 and a half point favorite last week talked. Now that's up to 17. So I guess money coming in on the Bruins, but you're getting over two touchdowns here, and I have not seen something from this Bruins team that leads me to believe that this should be 17. We'll talk about that more later. Total sitting at 57. That's down from 58 and a half on Monday. As for the NFL, Rams minus four and a half. At the 49ers, I believe this line opened with the Rams as three-point favorites, and now we're seeing four and a half. Total at 49 and a half. Vikings at Chargers. Chargers minus two and a half. Total sitting at 51 and a half. Chargers, again, just narrowly escaped that Eagles game. We'll talk to Matt Brown about that. Uh, you can find all these odds at Bett River Sportsbook, so make sure you check that out. All right, now let's welcome in Matt Brown, co-host of Primetime Action on VSYN, my former show. I have uh, lots of questions to ask if they miss me or not. A man of many talents. He's one of my favorite sports bettors. He's a wealth of knowledge. Please welcome Matt Brown. You can follow him on Twitter at MattBrownM2. Matt, how are you doing today?
3: Doing well. Doing well. And of course, we miss you every single day, Danielle. We miss you because it was one of those things where, you know, it was, I understand the desert wasn't, the desert life wasn't for you. And I I know you wanted to get back over there into the glitz and the glam and being able to walk around and just rub elbows with celebrities left and right. I know that that's your okay, style. Okay. No one's so.
2: walking around or rubbing anything in Los <laughs> Angeles right now. It's very shut down.
3: <laughs> so I, uh, you know, yes, no, it's, it's been, look, it is, its has been certainly different this NFL season. But I'm certainly glad that you have found something you love doing over there. And honestly, the product is is spectacular. And, you know, eventually, eventually, we are going to uh, – we're going to get things to to go your way. And you're going to be able to, to get some bets down over there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you you always find a way as a sports better, mm-hmm. as, as we like to say. But, yeah, I definitely – that was the hardest part about leaving Las Vegas, by the way. And I got a lot of tweets about it. And it was actually kind of upsetting. People are like, Why, like why'd they kick you off of primetime action? Oh. And I was like, yeah. So we just to clear never... the air –
3: yeah. Yes, we would never, absolutely, I mean, we would never do that. It was, you were the glue, you were the glue that, like, kept us in check as well.
2: Well, um, now that now I've had you on the pod.
3: Now we just have to make fun yeah. of each other. Like, like, you were able to make fun of us, now we just have to make fun of each other. That's not near as fun.
2: No, it's not nearly fun. I do it better. I'm better at making yes, fun of you guys. Absolutely. But now that I've had you on the pod, I have to have Gil on. I, I want to have Kelly on. I, was, I really want to talk to Kelly about the CFL, uh, but... <laughs> and then maybe I'll make a guest appearance on primetime action again. Hey. That's a little past my bedtime, but we'll see. Yeah. I'm... Um but okay, so Matt, people who don't know you who are who are new to the pod or new to you, like tell us a little bit about your background in sports betting and poker actually.
3: Yeah, so it's uh, I've kind of been in sports and gambling my whole adult life really. I mean, I started playing <laughs> online poker in college and so I found some success playing Online poker in the early days, which was pretty easy if you kind of had a clue as to what you were doing, and and so I just parlayed that into finding the other aspects of, of gambling as well. So I started sports betting pretty early, um, and so by the time I was you know 1920, I had run up a pretty decent little bankroll um, doing the doing the two of those, and so by the time I graduated college. To every uh, parents love when you say, "Oh, I had all these plans, remember, for going to college, and never mind, I'm gonna pack up and I'm gonna move to Las Vegas." <laughs> and so that's exactly <laughs> they were what thrilled. I did. Yeah, they were lo- oh, they loved that. Yeah, it was, it was spectacular news for them. And so, uh, yeah, so I left the day I took my my last test. I I packed it up, headed out to uh, to Vegas. Tried to play poker as a professional for a couple of years, and it, it really wasn't even so much the poker that kind of did me in. It was just being young with a lot of money <laughs> and so being young in vegas with a lot of money was not necessarily the best thing for me where's the problem
2: age. i don't see a yeah, problem there. I know.
3: like other people can maybe can uh deal with a little bit better than i could at the time but yeah it wasn't wasn't really all for me and i met some guys out here that were starting a, a poker magazine and that's kind of how i got into media so i i they said hey we could we're hiring poker's obviously blowing up so let's go and you know let's let's do this and so i flew out to atlanta that's where they were based and did a did I interview with them and they're like, let's, let's you know, let's do it if you let's want to do, do it. it. So I packed up my stuff, drove crack across the country, and uh, was there. And so did poker, which it kind of went hand in hand with sports betting because at the time, like the the poker sites, a lot of them were either had sister sites that were sports betting sites or um, were worked closely in the sports betting industry as well. So th- those were really just the the early days of all of that. Moved into uh working in the MMA aspect of I was gonna uh, say uh, UFC yeah.
2: MMA, yeah.
3: Yeah, so I moved over. They they wanted to start a different title at the at the magazine and so at first they were looking at NASCAR, didn't end up doing NASCAR and decided to do Why
2: can uh, I pause you? Why yeah. is NASCAR not catching on? <laughs> I feel like it's not Getting I, a bigger I audience. I
3: don't know, you know, and like, honestly, in in Georgia, I mean, you know, I'm mean, sitting there in Georgia, it was, you know, it was, it was much more popular there than it is, you know, sure. like Vegas or something or whatever, but Los I was Angeles. trying to, like, get them into something that I was interested in. And right. So like, have y'all heard of this MMA stuff? Like, do you know, like the UFC and they had really not been following it so i took them to a couple of local shows and then from there it, it it launched we launched fight magazine and so fight was a the largest distributed mma magazine in the country for the longest you know longest amount of time and um from there kind of spawned into doing some stuff for the fc we started doing pre-shows for them this is before they had a television deal and so before they before before pay-per-views they had no way to reach the customer like they had no way to reach the potential (laughs) customer because they didn't have the you know the fox tv deal came later and so it was basically like billboards and magazine ads was the only way that they were trying to get people to to tune into these pay-per-views and so we started doing pre-shows for them and streamed them online and all like the the men-centric sites and so like any any men-centric site of that I was era, not the target audience yeah you were not you were not you were probably <laughs> weren't on maximum and stuff too too yeah too, too much back then you know but don't make it, assumptions about me matt you don't you know. know yeah you were on men's health i'm sure which is where yeah, we, yeah, we were on all those and uh so we streamed a, a pre-show for, for all the pay-per-views for the fc for all of that and um about that time dfs started to really become super popular and that just mixed Everything that I loved—right, sports and gambling and everything like all into one—and so I, I pivoted into the DFS industry and started doing everything in DFS. Which kind of in this whole time I'm sports betting, you know, like the just the, the all those years. You're a
2: sports junkie. You're a sports yeah. junkie. Yeah, and it, you know I lived. You do here it great. all.
3: I, I moved back to Vegas at that time when I was working doing the stuff for the UFC. I'd moved back to Vegas because the UFC was based out of here, and so it was much easier for me to function being out on the West Coast than being over on the East Coast, and. Then from there, um, you know, started doing a bunch of content in sports betting and DFS and has led me to, to kind of hear where I am with, with Visa now and still host some podcasts for the lines and for legal sports support, kind of do looking at the business aspect of, of the sports gambling industry, which, which I think huge. is still fascinating. Yeah, it's still fascinating, yeah. right? I mean, we still have all these states that still haven't, full, haven't legalized or these states that still haven't gone live with mobile or... You know that are trying to change this and change that, and who's going to get licensed and who's not, and you know all those different stuff. And so for me, that that side of the business is still pretty pretty interesting and cool too.
2: Well, mobile did just go live, I believe, in New York, right? And what what's the deal with the tax? Because everybody's very upset about the tax that they're putting on this.
3: Yeah. So nine different operators got approved yesterday for New York to uh, get things going on the mobile side of things, and. The tax rate is super, super high. It's 51%. And, you know, look, it is get your foot in the door, get things going. And then I think you can negotiate that down after time. You know, it's, it's, I think that there's a lot of people who are jumping up and down right now about this and rightfully so. I mean, that's, it's people don't really understand that the sports betting industry and specifically the, 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 you know, the actual sports books themselves operate on a pretty thin margin, right? I mean, like, it's not like this, this, everyone thinks it's like, oh, you just roll in money all the time and stuff. But like, you know, you're, you're paying employees, you're buying licensing fees, you're paying taxes, you're doing all these different things. Like, like, it's a pretty slim margin business. And so once you start talking about 51% tax rate, it is, uh, it's pretty substantial, you know? And so look, get in, get it going. And I think that from there we'll, we'll cooler heads will prevail and we'll get a tax rate down to something that's a little bit more manageable.
2: Well, I know that California def- definitely wants sports betting to get going here, and so that's something to look forward to too. But those are the challenges that you're going to see even as things start to get legalized.
3: And there are, yeah. and, and there's op- you know, there's there's different entities there in California that aren't necessarily you know aligned. Stoked, the tribes, yeah, yeah, the tribes there have so much power in the gaming industry, and so it is, you know, they're obviously going to want it to be super favorable to them and there are the other people who are involved who are or at least want to get involved as well who are kind of like hey hey hey, you, you can't have a monopoly on this like we want to get involved too and so it's been a fight for forever you know i mean there was there was talk that online poker was going to get legalized in california a decade ago you know and like it never ended up happening and it was just uh it, again it's been a constant fight from a gaming aspect and look i just hope like i just said like i said for new york i hope cooler heads prevail i hope everything get, gets going over there and um You know, again, you know, the population of California, it's that of Canada. So, I mean, like it would be adding a whole Canada to the ecosystem here. So I'm very, very happy and excited for that when it does come.
2: Well, before we go into the Rams and Chargers game, which I promise we're going to talk about, I'm glad this turned into a little bit of a sports betting business discussion here, but I want to ask you about a small Matt Brown rant that is my favorite type right. of Matt Brown rant, uh, that different sports books in different states offer different things. Yeah. Because it was just making me think about how, oh, it's legalized in some places but not other. but even if you got it in California, you might like something better that's offered in Colorado.
3: Yeah, oh, that is, I mean, that's for sure. And, and actually, the perfect example is what may or may not play out in New York right because they're you know New York City obviously just right across you can head over to New Jersey Which is what a lot yep. of New Yorkers have been doing and with that incredibly high tax rate in New York I do wonder if the bonuses and the promos and the you know The various little spiffs that those that people get in Jersey are get, even going to be available in New York right. You know because like it's just like I said, it's it's a small margin business as it is anyway and once you start getting up into that tax realm giving away too much free money and then you're basically going to be operating in the red which is you know none of these guys want to be doing that so i'm pretty interested to see how that ends up shaping out because as you mentioned i mean like everything is from state to state to state to state and so you can get way better stuff in colorado than you can in pennsylvania you can get way better stuff in you know arizona right now because it's the hot new market than you can in some of the other states and so it's uh, it'll certainly play out in New York and New Jersey, I think. And we'll we'll when California rolls around, though, unless it's just egregious as far as the deal that gets made there, I think y'all are going to get some pretty nice bonuses.
2: Yeah. Uh, that's what we want to see happen here. And, uh, I appreciate you toning down the rant actually for the Los Angeles audience, just kind of easing them in, but you have to check Matt out on primetime action. Cause when yeah. he gets going, it's so much fun. That's on I didn't VEason. want
3: to get too hard in on Nevada the, With how, how we're pretty laid back here in SoCal. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. seriously, how, how, how behind the times we are here. I'm living in the stone age here in Nevada when it comes to technology. All
2: right. Well, so speaking of losing money, we're talking about sports books there. Uh, I know that you did not have a great weekend in the NFL. Uh, you and I had the same, which is very uncommon for you. I will state for our listeners as well. But we both had the same parlay. I told you I was really excited that I saw that because I saw it on v Best Bets email, which again, you can sign up for at vcin.com. Uh And I was like, yes, Matt and I are on the same parlay. And now I feel like I jinxed you maybe because we both had a teaser here with the Rams and the Dolphins. And the Dolphins covered it. And we just needed the Rams to cover here. For me, it was Rams minus two. I think you had minus one or one and a half. Uh, oh. But it didn't matter because the Rams lost to the Titans, twenty-eight to sixteen Sunday Night Football, and I love this tweet by you. Who in the holy hell is the best team in the NFL? <laughs> yeah, there is no I, right I, answer.
3: I was I was positive it was the Rams heading into that game, especially how the rest of Sunday had played out. Right? I mean, I was like, okay, well, it's definitely the Rams now, and then they go out and have that performance. I mean, you know, I, I guess we can look if we look at how at, at the all the teams that are power rated super high right now. Basically, every team has laid an egg somewhere along the way outside of the cardinals. I mean, the cardinals to to give to give the credit where credit is due. They're the only team that everybody considers good that has not really laid an egg. I mean, the bucks have had a have, have had a horrible game. The Titans lost to the Jets. The Rams obviously just this past week have had a horrible game. You look the Packers lost uh, a couple of games they weren't supposed to lose. I mean, there there are all these teams that everybody thinks are good. Bills this past week lose to the Jaguars. I mean, there's Literally, all these teams that everyone thinks good have laid an egg, except for the Cardinals. It
2: was an ugly week. Yeah, ugly ugly for the Cardinals.
3: On the Rams side of things, though, it was a very confusing game for me. I mean, uh, Matthew Stafford entered that game as the lowest sack rate in the league. He was one of the lowest pressured quarterbacks in the league. The Titans were not actually getting pressure on the quarterback all that often. So what do they do? Of course they go out and sack him twice on the first drive of the whole game. <laughs> and where I'm like, this handicap that I have going in this game, I'm like, oh, great, super. Yeah, didn't see that one coming. Yeah, throw that out And neither and did he. he. Yeah, <laughs> and so it just got really weird from there. I don't know for sure. I mean, I know that he didn't practice a couple of days during the week for some, some supposedly his back was tight. I don't know if there was any of that mm-hmm. that was playing into what was going on. I thought there was some very curious decisions from Sean McVay as well in that game. I mean, they were down two scores and they were taking their time as they were going up to the line. They were literally bleeding the play clock down to two seconds and one second before they were snapping the ball as if they were trying to protect a lead. They needed to score twice. They had to, they needed to score. Well, he's
2: not, he's not used to being losing. He's not used to losing in the fourth quarter.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And and so it was just, it was like these, the in-game decision, the in-game management right there was, was very troubling to me, you know, even because it was one of those things where I'm super high on the Rams I have them you know I have them to win the Super Bowl I have them to win the NFC I have Matthew Stafford to win the the MVP like I, I'm really heavily invested in this Rams team but to see kind of how that game played out was was pretty yeah I, you know like I said was was pretty co- what confusing on one end and then also kind of troubling on the other because I, I don't like what I saw from the coaching staff once they got down the in-game adjustments or lack thereof certainly were something that I at least took away from that game and I will be kind of monitoring going forward.
2: Well, that's something that I like that you do with your handicap is you really are critical of these coaches and it's important in the NFL more so maybe than you would say like an NBA coach would be to their team, right? And so when we look at this again, I'm going to take it to the tweets again, Matt. Uh, You said, we can go ahead and say it, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan are not nearly as sharp as we thought they were. Can you just kind of elaborate on what you're talking about there?
3: Yeah. I mean, look, we dubbed these guys, these geniuses right off the bat. (laughs) And that's just our, listen, that is our fault. We're often, you know, the the new flavor in town and we're often prisoner of the moment. We are often sitting here and we love to the the next big thing, you know, and, and we did that with both of these coaches and I think it was a little bit premature because as this has played out, for one, it's it's different on McVay's side than it is on Shanahan's side. Shanahan hasn't even done it in the win-loss column on the field. I mean, like, that, that he has, I mean, this, this 49ers team uh, it just loses way, way, way too many games, specifically games that they should win. And if you look on the McVay side of things, like I said, there have been some confusing decisions, confusing play calls, confusing sequences throughout the course of the year. Now, it hasn't come back to bite them so far because they're so talented and maybe the opponent that they were playing at the time was completely outmatched. But then you see a team like the Titans and you're not able to really have that type of leeway with with that team. I mean, they lost that game, Danielle, without having 200 yards of total offense. I mean, like, the Titans didn't even have 200 yards of total offense, and the Rams could not get that done because of, you know, obviously the whirling dervish pick from Matthew Stafford that basically (laughs) was a pick six that, you know, they take back to the two-yard line, and then the actual pick six.
2: Do you think, though, do you think Stafford's allowed to have a bad game here? Or, like, should people overreact to this? Because people were comparing him to the Lions version of Matt Stafford.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, this one was just a little bit more obvious because he was, because it was, in you know, a primetime game. Everybody's tuning in. Everybody's watching. And so you take a look at that and you go, oh, okay. Yeah, it is way, way, way more. It's way more evident. But if you do kind of look at the advanced statistics, right? Matthew Stafford, according to Pro Football Focus, is actually the 16th graded quarterback in the NFL this year, and he's behind guys like, you know, he's behind guys like Derek Carr. He's behind guys like Joe Burrow. He's behind guys like, you know, even even Ryan Tannehill. And so I think some of the stuff has been a little bit hidden. I think there were some underlying issues with Stafford that maybe they were just able to get by because they're so incredibly talented. Like I said, there's just so many playmakers on that team. Right. But, but yeah, it's, uh you know, I think that this just was really, really highlighted this week because everybody was tuned in. Everybody was watching. It's a, it's an island game. Everybody's watching those things. And uh, he's got to button it up, though. And this team's got to button it up. I mean, they're obviously Vaughn Miller's about to come into the picture. They're the defensive side of the ball, I think is going to be perfectly fine. But there's they got to just realize that they're not going to be able to coast by just on talent alone. And, and they are going to have to go out and execute every each and every single week, especially if they're going to try to have you know Super Bowl aspirations, which they do, because they are they are they are in win now mode more than any team in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. they they're I was going to
2: ask you if they're a contender, but I know that you think that because you got a ticket on them. Draft
3: em. picks out the window. They don't care about the future. <laughs> they want to win today, which I'm fine with. I love teams that go for it. But they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to button it up for sure.
2: That's not how you make it in Hollywood, by the way. You have to play the long game. It okay, the child stars never make it.
3: So. <laughs> Hey, but talk going- about Devin Sala, he's making a big he's making a big comeback right now, you
2: know? Oh, okay. Well, the minority there. The minority. <laughs> yeah. But getting back here to kind of this Sean McVay versus Kyle Shanahan discussion. Rams at 49ers this week. Uh 49ers four and a half point favorite here. Is that what I'm seeing? Uh total at four or no, that has to be Rams. Huh? Plus four yeah. and a half for the 49ers. Total at 49 and a half. 5.15 p.m. Pacific time for that one. The 49ers just lost to the Cardinals. You said the one team who hasn't really laid an egg in this league. And that was to the Colt McCoy-led Cardinals. No Kyler Murray and no DeAndre Hopkins, by the way. And they still get it done versus the 49ers. What are your thoughts on this game?
3: And no A.J. Green and J.J. Watt being on IR. Yeah, I mean, it was just horrible. Listen, I'm going to go down in flames here. I already took the Rams (laughs) at 4 um, it, it, they're going to cost me a, a trillion dollars over the last, over the next two weeks. If that's, <laughs> if this is the way that says, I mean, like it was a disaster of a week because of the Rams this past week. And it could be that way again this week. I mean, I look at the way these teams compare on paper and really, and truly, if you look, you could, you could argue, I guess that Debo Samuel is at the same level as far as wide receiver goes. But if you, outside of that player for player, like defensive line for defensive line, offensive line for offensive line, quarterback versus quarterback, running backs versus running backs, wide receivers. It favors the Rams in every single aspect of the game, you know? And so as long as they don't come out and do what they did this past week, they should win this game and they should win this game handily because this 49ers team does not seem to have any sort of identity on the offensive side of the ball outside of, well, when they're running it, okay, they'll run it, okay. But that's about it. I mean, you know, they, they they haven't even worked in these, like, Trey Lance gadget packages and things. Like, man, we've seen those the last couple of weeks. I don't really know what's going on there in the Bay Area. I think the Rams, I'm going to give them a pass for this past week. But don't you do it to me again, Rams. <laughs> don't you do it to me again. And a I four. There.
2: You're laying a four, which yeah. is, like, not a not a fun number. No one likes a four. I know, I know.
3: I, I just, I think that they are that much better than this. I mean, if you look at my power rankings, like, I mean, I have the Rams number two behind the Bucks. I have the 49ers oh, wow. way down. I have the 49ers, you know, way down in like the 18, 19 range. So, I mean, I, I have a massive difference between these two teams. and so-
2: The 49ers, though, are just like a tricky team to me because you just like – they're very hard to predict. It's just very – you don't know what you're going to get from them game to game. But like, And one last question, too, on the coaching thing I wanted to ask you about here. Uh, when we talk about kind of the Sean McVay's and the Kyle Shanahan's of the world and even just looking back at that Titans game here versus Rabel, who's kind of more old school, mm-hmm. do you think that these kind of creative – like, modern, whatever we're going to call them coaches are going to have trouble against the coaches that are more like the Bill Belichicks and the Mike Vrabels of the world who kind of are like, we're not going to try to do anything fancy. We're just
3: going to beat you. I do believe that there is at least a little bit right now of... I I think the pregame stuff probably still favors these guys that are a little outside-the-box thinkers. I do believe Mm -hmm. that. But once we get in-game... I do think that there is something to be said for the variables and the Belichicks and stuff of the world, not only just from being kind of a little bit older and a little bit more experienced and stuff like that, but also maybe not getting too cute somewhere along the way. Cause sometimes the flashy decision isn't necessarily the right decision. I mean, you know, I'm all for innovation in the NFL. I've been on team hashtag go for it for a long time, you know, <laughs> on the going for it on fourth downs and different things. But like sometimes you can get a little bit too cute. Sometimes you don't need to do the double, triple, reverse, triple pass, backward thing, whatever, and all this. like sometimes it's okay to just quarterback sneak the ball and get a first down. You know, like sometimes the boring play, the boring call is actually the right call. And so I do think in game sometimes that these guys get a little bit out of their depth.
2: Yeah, I love. That's my favorite expression that I stole from you and Gil is, "Don't be too cute. Don't get yeah. too cute." Because I was always trying to get cute with my bets on primetime action <laughs> because um, it's cute, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, but I want to talk about the other LA team. Actually, the only LA football team over the weekend to cover, but in a very unpleasant fashion, I would say, the Chargers and the Eagles. I was talking to the Philadelphia CityCast host last week, and I was like, please, this is the most friendly Chargers line I've ever seen. The Chargers versus the Eagles? How, even if we know the Chargers' run defense is abysmal, last in the NFL, but even if the Eagles run it, how are they going to outpace this Chargers' offense? And yet, they've just barely escaped this loss, 27-24. to This This game here coming up, Chargers-Vikings, it looks like it's going to be a tale of two teams who cannot defend the run.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're looking we're, we're looking at this one and like this is one of the more I think probably hotly debated, I think will end up being one of the hotly debated lines of the week, right? I think that some people are going to look at this Chargers team and like you say, they're going to look and say, well, look, Dalvin Cook, uh, I mean, what in the hell are they going to do to to stop Dalvin Cook? You know, I mean, right. I can't imagine, what, you know, this team and and look, there's 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 some truth to that, right? I mean, the the Eagles took it to them with Jordan Howard and Boston Scott this past week, you know, I mean, like that, that, this is a far different, far cry from what Dalvin Cook brings to the table. But then you look on the other side of the ball and, and the offensive side of the chargers got fixed this past week. Look, there was two games in a row. Something was off. Right. And I don't know exactly what it was. They weren't really in sync. Justin Herbert certainly was not playing up to where we have seen his level of play be over the last year and a half. But they fixed it this past week. He was very, very good this week. And if you look on the offensive side of the ball, when they're healthy, if he's healthy, and you've got Allen, and you've got Williams, and you've got Eckler, and you've got these guys, like that, that is a massively talented team that on the offensive side of the ball should be able to score, you know, with anybody. But on the defensive side,
2: kind of an MVP candidate for you at this point.
3: I wish he was. I have a 45 <laughs> to 1 ticket on him, but I don't think he Yeah, I think that ship has sailed uh with a couple of bad ah. games, you know. I know. I think this is Tom Brady. It's good to know. Yeah, I think it's Tom Brady like uh, like it's unless he just completely lays an egg. I, I, this will be like one of those lifetime achievement awards for Tom Brady this year, you know. It's like lap. Hey, here yeah. you go. Yes, here you go. Here's your uh here's your MVP. Thanks for everything you've done and and whatever. But you know, look, Herbert Got, got back to his winning ways this past week and got back to, to looking like him this past week as well. But then, like you mentioned, I mean, this is just, it's so hard, I think, long term to buy into this Chargers team because of that defense. I mean, like, it is a real, real liability for this team moving forward. You know, I mean, no lead is going to be safe. You're never going to be able to, like, trust them to make that big stop when needs when it needs to get done on third down. Like, there's just none of that stuff. None of that confidence exists. with with the defense in this current iteration, you know, we're only halfway through the season. Could things change? We have seen stranger things happen. Like I, you know, but we've gotten to this point and it's been pretty consistently bad. And so I don't know what kind of wholesale changes you can make just over the last course of the season here. So that's the only reason I can't really fully buy in to the Chargers. I I love the team. I love the makeup, certainly on the offensive side. It's just, man, I love the coach as well. I I think Brandon Staley's here, here to stay. I think he's another one of those guys that, uh, you know, is really kind of understanding the future of the NFL, right? And so, like, I, I, I love all that, but that defense is just such an incredible liability, it's hard for me to buy in on them.
2: Yeah, it's just not going to work for them for the rest of this season. I'm glad you brought up Staley uh, because Chargers are 4-2 and in one-score games this year, which is definitely a credit to him and how he's done with that yeah. team so far. Um, real quick, before I let you go, so do you, do you like a side if you had to play a side here? I'm seeing Chargers minus 2.5 right now on Bet Rivers.
3: I, we talked about this a little bit on our show last night. I think this is going to be a sit-back, watch, and pass game for me and try to figure out what these two teams are. I mean, the Vikings, the record is bad. If they could have held on to any of these leads that they have, this three and five team could one easily be five and three, if not six and two, it's just, they have just not been able to hold on to leads that they've gotten out to. And that's an indictment on, on Zimmer and his coaching staff and getting too conservative is that when they get up in games, but, but if that were to happen in this one, it does favor the Vikings and getting conservative because the run defense is so bad for the chargers if they're trying to bleed the clock and if they just want to bang Dalvin Cook into the line, this would be the team to do it against. Like, this would be the one scenario where if the Vikings are able to get out to a lead earlier and they do get conservative, well, that actually favors them a lot against a team that has been so poor at defending the run. And so it's just, this game has me confused and probably just going to sit back and, and take this one in.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking... I may go a Chargers play here, especially because it's a two and a half. If we're mm-hmm. talking a three or higher, like absolutely not. But I don't know. It's a tough one because of what we've seen so far from them. But I don't. I guess I don't think very highly of the Vikings team so far, and I really mm-hmm. do think it's just going to be who's who's worse at, at defending against the run yeah. tonight. So. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I've taken up way too much of Matt Brown's time. Um, he's very important, very valuable. Go check him out at VSIN on Primetime Action. Uh, coming up, it is time to talk about UCLA football this week. We're going to bring in James Williams from the OC Register to discuss it. That's next on the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bett Rivers.
0: Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match Tips at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to BetRivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the BetRivers mobile app or go to BetRivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Playable only in states where BetRivers is licensed and in New Jersey at PlaySugarhouse. The House.
2: The V-Syn mid-season football special is here. Put the VEASAN betting experts to work for you from now through February for only $99. Daily best bet emails, 24-7 video streaming, betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in-depth data and analysis on vcin.com. Sign up today at vcin.com slash subscribe and get everything we have to offer for the rest of the football season for only $99. That's vcin.com slash subscribe welcome back into the Los Angeles Citycast presented by bet Rivers I'm your host Danielle Alvari and I'm very excited to welcome in our next guest because I love talking about UCLA in any capacity uh, UCLA football' has been a little bit rough this season but luckily basketball is already started uh, let's welcome him James H Williams from the OC register and the somethings Bruin pod that's a great name for a podcast by the way James how you doing
4: thank you thank you I appreciate it yeah I um... We kind of started the podcast up this season, and that's been going well. It's just been, uh, you know, trying to find a name. You know, if you're going to do something like that, especially, you know, you can kind of play off that word brewing. But, uh, yeah, so I'm glad you like it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, they told me I had to call this the Los Angeles City Cast, which you know it makes sense for what it is. But I didn't get to make right. up a fun name, so I like your name a lot. Thank Let's you. not waste any time. Let's get right into UCLA football here. I want to mm-hmm. talk about Gerald Jr. Okay, so of course I'm talking about UCLA's defensive coordinator Jerry Asanaro. <laughs> I did not know his name was Gerald, but it makes sense. And I did not know he was a junior. So there you have it. I didn't know. Um, I didn't know he
4: was a junior either. So you're, you're yeah. breaking news. <laughs> you're breaking. Yeah, news
2: exactly. I like calling him Gerald Jr. I think that's, that's how he's <laughs> coaching right now. Um, yeah. And let's also talk head coach me. Chip Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, as an arrow, his defense ranks number 75 out of 130 teams nationally in yards allowed. He's giving up nearly 400 yards per game. The Bruins rank 81 in scoring defense and 117 in passing defense. So, the only thing that's really going well for them is kind of their rush defense, if you will. And even that has faltered. That's, I yeah. mean, you, if you're listening to this pod right now, James's face is saying it all right mm-hmm. now. I mean, you're just, yeah, yeah even that has faltered. Um, so what do you kind of think about this situation right now?
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a little exciting as, as someone who's been, uh, kind of been covering the team for three years on and off now. And, you know, one, the players had expectations, high expectations coming into this season, obviously year four for Chip Kelly and year four for a lot of those guys. Um, so this was his recruiting class. this is or like these are his guys he recruited. This is his staff for the most part. And um you know, you you know you you beat Hawaii and then you go right you go ahead and you beat lSU. um, say what you want about the way LSU has been playing as of late. Um, but yeah, so things were looking good, which only raised expectations to another level. and then, you know the the defense looked great. They improved from, um, 2019 to 2020, and then it looked like things were headed in the right direction. Everything was looking great. And um, then the Fresno State game happened. <laughs> and things just kind of went downhill um, in a sense from there. So, yeah, the the thing with me is they've just kind of been, well, not even so much lately. I'll, we can talk about that in a minute. But for me, it was a lot of the explosive plays they were giving up in the secondary. And um, which is kind of mind boggling in a way, too. I mean, we saw that versus down- ASU. Yeah. yeah, the ASU um, and like every game since then. I think Stanford was one. Um, but I, but honestly, the the thing that was kind of mind boggling with that before we get to Azanero was uh, Brian Norwood was kind of brought on as an, uh, a key addition to that defensive staff. Um, right. He's their passing game coordinator, defensive secondary coach, and the assistant head coach. And you know he kind of helped change that scheme along with uh, Jerry Azanero a little bit and again, things were looking good, but this season, again, with that secondary, I mean, there's a, there, I'm, there's not a whole lot of question marks on him, but you can put some on on uh, Norwood, but again, they all are going on as a narrow because he's been there a while, and UCLA fans are just looking for some sort of change, but apparently Chip Kelly's not, and um, you know, this has kind of been a thing ever since I started covering the team and for whatever reason, there's just no movement made. Um, it didn't help that some of the other teams in the conference made some coaching changes Oregon this state? week. Yeah. yeah. Oregon state made one and, uh, you know, I think Washington made one as well, I believe, but, um, Nebraska just fired four assistant coaches. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard to do. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not hard at all, apparently, but, yeah, again, there's nothing done. And for me, if it wasn't going to be done during that bye week, um, then it just isn't going to happen. So I think we're, we're going to be kind of at a crossroads where something needs to happen. Again, the run game was kind of making this defense look pretty solid. But then again, the last two games, you're giving up, what, four touchdowns, I believe, to Tavion Thomas in Utah. and It was four against Travis Dye, who's from Norco, California. So when you have a guy return to SoCal and run on four touchdowns on you in the Rose Bowl, um, not a good look. Not at all. <laughs> so um, things, you know, with the, the way the run defense has been going, and a lot of people are even quick to point out that, hey, the, you know, the the run game's only looking as good as it is. is because people are just going that much heavier on the pass so mm-hmm. some people are still kind of even suspect when it comes to what they're doing from the from the running game or running from the run defense standpoint but they have the talent to, to be good it's just for whatever reason not kind of coming through i think they're a little nipped up at this point in the in the season so we'll see how they come out of the bye week for sure
2: well and as somebody who's a who covers this team you have mm-hmm. to deal with this coaching staff and them speaking with the media but one of these coaches does not do that. Uh, Azenero is the only Pac-12 coordinator, offense or defense, to not be ab- available to speak with reporters since the start of training camp. And he's actually not spoken with the media since his hiring before the 2018 season. How, can you like paint a picture of how unusual this is?
4: No, it, it's very unusual, and actually, so just to give you a sense of UCLA in general when it comes to media access, one, I mean, I think they do a solid job, and anytime I reach out to them for any sort of information, they are helpful, so I don't want to yeah. knock them on that. But when it I agree. But for whatever reason, you know, it was this big miracle this year, and we really kind of thought, like, it was the start of change um, during fall and spring when we started getting and talking to any and all assistant coaches, really, outside of Jerry Azanero. Um, which is something even for some of the uh, other beat reporters who have been there a lot longer than me, they were saying this was the first time that we they've ever had assistant coaches talking. So me only being three years in, it was even it was still it was refreshing to just get some other voices other than the same few players. Um, and obviously from Chip Kelly, who who adds his own dynamic to some of our um, weekly press conferences. Um, I can't
2: imagine why you wouldn't want to just talk to Chip Kelly all the time.
4: Oh, I, I mean. <laughs> Chip is great, but, you know. <laughs> um, no, uh, Chip, Chip could be
1: really
2: I love it. is really so polite.
4: You're but, so polite. <laughs>
2: hey, I got hey, I, I to go back tomorrow and work. That's true. Me, That's right? true. You know, I'm can just. i playing with fire here.
4: Yeah, no. No, but they're, they're all good. But, no, it is just, again, this weird dynamic. And um, some of the reporters have made it a point to ask Chip Kelly, like, you know, we've talked to everybody. Why don't we talk to Jerry Asanero? And I think just the response we're getting is, oh, he doesn't want to. Really? <laughs> but it's kind of funny because sometimes when well, we are Well, and people take to...
2: issue with that because where's the accountability, right? Exactly, That's the more exactly. egregious thing.
4: And and again, so yeah, it, I mean, there's that dynamic of it. But then there's, there's also these dynamics uh, or this dynamic of when we're at the uh, practices, the offense is... They have two practice fields, so they're way on the other side. So we're usually front and center for the a lot of the defensive drills, the special teams drills. And so when we're watching practice, Jerry has an right in front of our face. And there's occasions where, based on, you know, whatever drill it is, is sometimes he's almost standing uh, in, in the little viewing box with us while he's kind of orchestrating some of these drills. And he'll even kind of make I'd some get comments. fired so fast. I'd be bugging him. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, he, but he'll make some of these, like, he'll make comments towards us. Not necessarily all bad, but just, or, or he'll, he'll even kind of, like, he even shared a laugh with us once or twice. So it's like, yeah, does he not want to talk to us or does he? Like, so it's, it's just kind of weird. It's this weird dynamic. But yeah, the, that's one of the big things that's kind of missing is. Is we, you know, what is the point of view or what's going on? Like, what kind of insight can you provide? I mean, it's not like he's never had a press conference before. I think he was with Chip Kelly on the Eagles, on his coaching staff at the with the Eagles in Philadelphia. And I've seen YouTube videos where he's talked before and been the only one there, like, handling a press conference. So I'm not what exactly sure. Well, it makes you wonder sure, because...
2: Like- it's, it's in his contract, right, that they can compel him. UCLA could compel him to mm-hmm. do media appearances, and they haven't. So it almost makes me wonder, how bad is this guy at doing media? So that's funny you've actually seen him do it before. Yeah,
4: yeah. Like, I mean, and that, that was the thing. It was like it got to the point where you're, like, looking like, has he just never done one or what? But he has. Um, I mean, I, I think the thing is, too, that a lot of people question is the experience he has as a de- defensive coordinator. I think he was mainly just kind of a position coach, Throughout most of his career, uh, prior to and really so, successful I,
2: with the line, right? Like defensive yeah, line, sure. Right.
4: So, and which I makes
2: sense because the rush was,
4: defenses, you know. Exactly, and and I think to that point too is maybe um, you know there's not a whole lot of press conferences that are often done with the position coaches in that way. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, if we knew, or, or you know, if there was a something that could be done, I don't know, but. Um, I'm not sure if you were planning on asking that or asking this next, but, you know, Chip Kelly's on the hot seat and uh, depending on who you ask. But, um, you know, for me personally, I think it may come down to um, there's going to maybe be a decision where if Chip Kelly does want to return, much like with what we saw with Nebraska, is there may need to be a change. So if it's not Chip Kelly, I think maybe it's going to be as an arrow. Now, is, is – Kelly willing to make that decision or accept that decision. Go down um, with the ship, yeah. Yeah, is is you know because it, they're kind of made out to be like best friends or whatever, like like they're ride or die really. So it's just kind of <laughs> like how how long is the ride going to continue, right? So so we'll we'll see. But I think that's something if you're a UCLA fan that you want to kind of keep an eye on, um, especially during the off season. If it doesn't happen you know, for these final three games.
2: It's been too long already. It's been too long.
4: It has been too long. (laughs)
2: Uh, but we do have a game going on this week I want to make sure we have time real quick to talk mm-hmm. about this Colorado coming to UCLA arguably the second worst team in the Pac-12 maybe here uh, UCLA a <laughs> 17 point favorite right now on Bet Rivers this was 15 and a half earlier in the week when I talked about it on the pod earlier in the week I said they're getting over two touchdowns that's a huge spread yes it's college football which is different than NFL of course when mm-hmm. you look at point spreads but UCLA minus 17 do we think that this UCLA team is that good to cover that kind of spread and obviously league money was coming in on them Uh, but total also at 58 and a half which is you know a little bit lower than their total was for last week's game but how how do you kind of think this one's going to play out
4: yeah i mean the the thing with ucla is you know they're gonna more or less put up 35 points more or less you know they're gonna kind of hit that 30 point target um so again that's why a lot of it always falls back on the defense and what's gonna happen there um for ucla so I I think the other dynamic to the whole thing is, too, is sometimes they just kind of play at the level of their opponent, right? So... Mm,
2: That is very true.
4: Yeah. So, because no matter what, the games always seem to be like nail biters at the end, whether it's they're playing on the road at Stanford, they're letting that game be a little more closer than it should be. But then they can also go and host, you know, number three, Oregon, and make it a... a, I think it was like a three-point game. It was a one-score game. Um... You know, each of the last two years, and that even last year during the COVID season without Dorian Thompson-Robinson, they still kept it competitive uh, with Kayvon Thibodeau and Oregon last year. So, um, you know, I think if I remember correctly, uh, these two teams, Colorado and, and UCLA, met in the season opener for the conference play, or, well, the season opener because there was no um, non-conference play for the Bruins, mm-hmm. but um, Colorado got the best of, of UCLA at Colorado, and uh, former UCLA coach Carl Jarrell is the yep. one leading the Buffalo. So um, you know, I'm sure he always has UCLA circled on his calendar. Now, whether <laughs> or not they'll they'll meet that seventeen points uh, remains to be seen, but off the top of my head if you had would, to pick a side, I'm forcing him to prob- here, people. I would probably doubt that they would just because again, they always doubt UCLA can cover here. Yeah, yeah, because it's just when it gets to the when it gets to the fourth quarter it, it's like, I've never been able to, like, you know, take a deep breath and just kind of, like, finish my story in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I'm usually changing the story so around like, three or four times. So, oh, so, so I think um, I'm blanking on the start time for this. I think it's, like, an evening kick, right? So, uh, 6 p.m., I believe. 6 p.m., so, yeah. So, yes. for my sanity... I would appreciate it if they did, kind of, you know, wrap things up. It's gonna and, be and late. Things a little, <laughs> may, yeah, make it comfortable in the fourth quarter so I can hit some deadlines and stuff. But um, see,
2: you got you got yeah. a sports bettors mentality already. He's not a sports bettor. He's got that mentality. Can we wrap this up early? Can we just yeah. coast into the finish? Yes. right. Right.
4: I'm tired. of I agree with my Story you. around, but you will see. I mean, they they you know they like to keep things interesting, and that's. Uh, something that never disappoints uh, when it comes to Chip Kelly and the Bruins. It's always an interesting um Or uh, always dining. disappoints, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> True.
2: <laughs> well, thank you so much uh, for making the time no for us today. You illustrated exactly the, the trouble I say every week is Pac-12 football is just a mess. It's hard. Uh, but I agree with you. If I had to pick a side here, it's complicated. Exactly, it's... that is like it's the epitome. If you had to say the relationship status of the Pac-12, mm-hmm.
4: it's complicated. Or or hot mess. That's a, that's another word. A uh, hot like mess. That's good. Or, or yeah. words, I guess. But yeah, hot <laughs> mess. Uh, yeah, Pac-12.
2: Week to week. Uh, but I agree. Colorado plus seventeen for me. I'm not going to bet against my Bruin. I might. I might do it because there's so many points, honestly, if I'm being honest, guys. But follow my Twitter. We'll see if I end up d- pulling the trigger or not. That's an emotional head, too, you know, kind of. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> that's so many points, and I don't know if you I can do it. But thank you so much to James H. Williams. Make sure you check mm-hmm. him out, OC Register, and the Something Bruin pod. Uh, thank you for making the time for us today, James.
4: No worries. Thank you for having me. I'd be more than happy to come back anytime.
2: Yeah, of course. So thank you guys so much also for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. Remember, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Please subscribe to the pod, leave a rating. Feel free to tweet at me, at Danielle Avari. I, of course, will be back for more fun and games uh, on Friday's show. So come on back for the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers.